Petersfield's Shine Radio. Growing Together with Claire Venice and Steve Amos on Petersfield's Shine Radio. Hello and thanks for joining us in Growing Together, the gardening programme from Petersfield's Shine Radio. I'm Claire Venice and I'm once again at the Adhurst Estate Allotments on a sunny morning with Steve Amos. Hi Steve. Hi, good morning. Good morning. You well? Yeah, all the joys of spring I, I think know, it's morning. lovely isn't it? It's absolutely glorious here. That yeah. sun is actually warm. Mm. Yeah, it's really lovely. It's such a beautiful spot down here and I love coming down here whatever the weather, whatever time of year, but this is my favourite. I have to say, it was a bit miserable yesterday morning. A working party and it was raining. Oh, so what is a working party? What do you do with a so working party? So about every month to six weeks, because we're a privately run allotment association, we do all the maintenance and all the groundwork and everything by ourselves. And yeah, we get together, list of jobs. Yesterday was the last uh, tree planting session. So getting bare root stuff in, a bit late really, but just wanted to get the last in really. So maintenance, tidying up the fence line, clearing brambles, you know, a lot of the stuff we've done over the winter around the hedgerows and stuff like that that we've stopped now with regards to the birds' nesting season. And just general maintenance as the year goes through. It's, it's also a good opportunity for people that have got allotments that maybe haven't met many of their neighbours. And again, a bit like the seed swap, which we'll come on to. It's like minded people getting together, talking about stuff, what's worked well for them, especially for the newer members who are either brand new to gardening or new to the area or don't know what to grow. So talking to, to fellow allotmenteers is really invaluable, I think. Yeah, talking to anyone with gardening knowledge or, or experience, just learn constantly, don't you? You do. And I think that's one of the things I really love about the horticultural world is everyone's happy to share their knowledge and advice. Even when you go to the shows in the summer, you go along and see someone's got all the red tickets, you go and find them and ask them how, why, what, and they just give you the information. It's brilliant. When you got here, I was I was sorting out my um, parsnip beds, and you you sort of talked about my secret blend of um, <laughs> herbs and spices or fertilisers that I put into my compost. It's not secret at all. It's out there. You've just got to know where to look for it or ask. I'm going to ask you, Steve. Later on, I will <laughs> ask you what your secret blend is. Well, we just want to let you know that growing together is growing. And we are now going to be recording two Growing Togethers per month. It's a busy time of year, so you'll have a new episode at the beginning of a month and in the middle of a month. Twice the dose of Steve and myself. (laughs) Well, in this episode, we're going to also feature a couple of interviews. Mark Porter, who is the Hampshire County Organiser for the National Garden Scheme. I met him at his Hampshire house and he gives us some hints about which gardens to view in Hampshire and how the scheme is changing changing with people's views about what a garden should look like and okay. what it should include. So interesting. really interesting talking to Mark. And I also spoke to a Hampshire-based medicinal herbalist called Joe Dunbar with inspirational ways to use weeds that are coming up in our garden now. That sounds like a really good idea. Sounds drink good. Them, drink them. Wow. All sorts of things. Okay. We'll hear from Joe and her expertise. Very interesting. But yeah, talking about the seed swap, Steve. I think it was quite successful. I do as well, yeah, and I really enjoyed it. I think, what do you reckon we had? How many people do you think we had? 40, 50? Yeah, I thought so. Mm. Yeah, over the course of the afternoon. Obviously, we were there for two hours, and I think after the first sort of 90 minutes, it dried up a bit, didn't it? You know, people came with lots, 
and left with nothing and people came with nothing and left with lots and people stopped and chatted obviously we had pecan there and we had the physic garden people there as well and the community garden you know i think it was really good i met some really interesting people actually i did too yeah it was, it was good. nice to talk to people it was, about wasn't what, it? what they're growing what they were looking for and what advice they have yeah. it was exactly what i hoped it would be i mean this was the first one so we really didn't have any expectations did we but no we didn't hoped a few people would turn up really really lovely to meet some of our gardening community here yeah. and build on it for yeah no it was good and I, I think definitely do it again these things grow people talk about it it's really good, good. To do yeah, it. Yeah, Please, yeah, it we did it yeah me too <laughs> one thing i wanted to mention actually after the seed swap i came away with a, a big box full of seeds if anybody wants any seeds get in contact with us at uh, petersfieldseedswap at gmail.com i've got loads of flowers veggies herbs just get in touch We've also got ourselves involved in the Petersfield in Bloom competition this year. Which There's no stopping us, Kate, I know. honestly. <laughs> it's organised by the Petersfield Town Council with a special committee for Petersfield in Bloom. They actually have an additional category this year that's inspired by us called Grow Your Own. So normally Petersfield in Bloom involves growing flowers, flower displays, that kind of thing. But um, expanding to vegetables as well. Love it. I do too. Yeah, brilliant. Combine the both. So look out for that. Just so you know, you can pick up an entry form online at the Petersfield Town Council's website, or you can actually pick up a leaflet at the Town Council's offices by the Festival Hall. The closing date for entries is the 30th of June. The prize-giving evening is not until the 5th of October. Wow, okay. Yeah, so um, a bit of time to get yourselves organised and growing there. Excited this yeah. year for that. Sounds good. And we also have tickets to give away to the BBC Gardener's Spring Fair, which is happening at the end of April at Bewley. Yeah. Great location. Yeah, it's lovely down there, isn't it? Yeah. If you don't like gardening, you can go and have a look at some cars. Exactly. Or do both. Yeah, yeah why not? <laughs> if you're a keen gardener, then Shine Radio is giving you the chance to win tickets to the BBC Gardener's World Spring Fair in Bewley. The event brings together sensational displays, famous experts and hands-on workshops. And you could win two free tickets to go along on Sunday the 30th of April. All you have to do is correctly name the two presenters of Shine Radio's gardening show, Growing Together. You can enter the competition at shineradio.uk at any time before midnight on Friday the 14th of April. We'll put all the correct entries into a flower pot and draw one lucky winner. Conditions apply, so check rules at shineradio.uk and don't forget to enter before midnight on Friday the 14th of April. Good luck with that, it's a great fair and it's a lovely one to go to at the beginning of the gardening season. Sounds so, good. Um, so enter it, enter it and see if you can win. We're now going to introduce you to Mark Porter, who Claire mentioned earlier, and she's going to talk to him about the National Garden Scheme when she went to see him the other week. The National Gardening Scheme provides the opportunity to visit private gardens in the UK throughout the year. And I'm joined now by Mark Porter, who is the county organiser for the Hampshire National Garden Scheme. Good morning. Hello, Mark. Nice Hi. to talk to you. Thank you. So, the National Garden Scheme. Can you explain a bit more about what's involved in it, please? Sure. The, the scheme has been going for nearly 100 years. It started in 1927, and it was a charitable part of the Queen's Nursing Institute, would you believe? Um, and they were trying to find money for Queen's nurses. And one of the committee members had this brilliant idea for people to open their gardens to the public, and they did in 1927. 
600 gardens open for a shilling an entry, and they raised, uh, these days, probably be about £400,000. Um, and then that scheme grew and grew and grew, uh, supported by Queen Victoria, then by King George, and it just carried on. And now here we are, 3,500 gardens across the UK that the public can go and visit. And they are quality gardens. That's always been our mentor, is high quality. So when you arrive at a garden, you know that's going to be good. And pretty much nearly 80% do tea and cake. So really, I mean, one of our strap lines is great gardens, great cake. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are sitting in your kitchen and I'm looking out at your beautiful garden. We would like to record in the garden, but it's a really windy you, morning, it is, isn't yeah. it? Mm, mm. <laughs> but your garden is one of the gardens that's offered in Hampshire to it the is. public. Yeah, so we, uh, we have, we're fortunate to have lots of snowdrops, uh, wind draconites and crocus thomasinianus, the lovely little natural mauve crocus as well as a winter garden full of dogwood stems, birches, and lots of structure here. So we opened uh, over the last few weeks for groups to book a private visit to come here. And we've had nearly 200 people come, including a coach from Bournemouth came, and for people to come and see the garden and then enjoy some tea and cake and then wander around again. And uh, sometimes they don't want to go home. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can completely understand that reason. And, uh, And we get a lovely time because we get... To meet people, I could take a guided tour around and then you can meet so many people who are really, really interested in, in certain aspects of gardening and others just want to come for the, basically the day out and, uh, and they get a great time. Hmm? Oh, that sounds great. How did you get involved with the National Gardens? Well, we, uh, it's a, because actually because of the snowdrops, would you believe? So when we moved here 20 years ago, we literally bought the house in the summer and it wasn't until the February uh, the following year, we realised that we got a huge area of snowdrops alongside the wood in near the house. Um, and after a couple of years, when we started to get the garden looking ship-shaped, someone suggested we opened for charity for a prostate cancer support network, Picasso. So for a couple of years, we actually opened for Picasso. And then someone came from the National Garden Scheme during one of our Picasso openings and said, had we ever thought about opening for the National Garden Scheme? And we didn't think the garden was worthy of it at the time. Uh, and they said, well, yeah, we could do Let's come and have an assessment. So they came. And, uh, and it was very old school, I have to say. <laughs> it was almost clipboard and white coat, you know, almost. <laughs> and, uh, which, um, and there had been a series on television about doing assessments for the National Garden Scheme entries and kind of typified, in a way, that's the view of the scheme. You know? And we're a little more friendly and open these days, you know. Anyway, and, uh, and we were told that everything was wonderful, except the lawn was awful. Huh. Anyway, oh, no. um, yes, so that was quite a shock, but actually they were right. So we dug up the lawn, would you believe? In part because of the comments, but also the fact it did need doing and levelling. And then uh, we had a reassessment uh, about 18 months later, and, uh, and it was deemed worthy of joining the scheme. So we opened for a few years, and then as happens, you know, I've, I've, I had some time and was able to then volunteer to become the booklet organiser. So I did the, the little yellow booklet. Uh, and then, um, then joined the committee, and then I was asked to become the county organiser, and now I'm the regional chairman for the whole of the southeast of England. Wow. So I look after all the counties in the southeast, but 1,100 gardens of the 3,500 come under me. That's a lot of gardens to oversee. <laughs> it is. But fortunately, we have an amazing team of volunteers. You know, there's 14 volunteers run Hampshire with me, and the same number in each of the counties. And... They are amazingly dedicated, brilliant people. When people visit the garden, mm. there's a, a small charge, isn't there, to yep. enter and, mm. and view the garden. And what does this money go towards? 
So typically the gate money, 100% of it goes to charity, right? So the garden owner, let's slay that myth now immediately, doesn't keep a penny of it. So the garden entry, which typically these days is, I don't know, four or five pounds or something, which is incredible value given the quality of the gardens that you're seeing. It's just a great, Britain's great afternoon out, you know, it really is. Because typically we open on a Sunday, but the money that's raised uh, goes to nursing and cancer care charities, and particularly also charities associated with mental well-being and physical well-being in terms of health. So, for example, we've got Marie Curie, Macmillan, Hospice UK, supporting Horatio's Garden, which is where there's going to be a garden built in all of the 11 spinal units across the UK, and a specific garden that's able to take beds for orthopaedic patients who've come out with severe spinal injuries. So there's like the one in Salisbury, uh, and then one in Stanmore, one in Oswestry, and one in Glasgow, you know, that's sort of, and then also supporting Maggie's uh, cancer support care as well. So there's a new one just opened up, a new Maggie Centre in Southampton Hospital, and again, we fund the garden for that. So that's it's, we just, the last three or four years, we've been able to donate over £3 million a year, which is extraordinary. You know, to go to a charity and present them with a cheque for half a million pounds is quite humbling, uh, and they are so grateful for our relationship with them. That's amazing. Mm. From the joy of viewing lovely gardens. Yeah, I think you could raise all that amount of money. Can you give us some uh, tips about which gardens we could be viewing this time of year? Are there any gardens that you recommend we could visit in Hampshire coming up? Well, there are lots. I mean, we've got over 100 gardens in Hampshire. It's for your listeners to get hold of a copy of the Yellow Book. So our Yellow Booklet is in tourist information centres, it's in libraries, it's in garden centres. There's a comprehensive diary in the front which tells you exactly which gardens are open where. There's a map in the middle with grid references. We've got some wonderful village groups that are open. There's one in Froyle, for example, where there'll be nine or ten gardens opening in Froyle, so they'd be worth going to see for sure. Uh, there's a new village group uh, opening in Headley, north of Petersfield. Are there any unusual gardens that you have? So we've got gardens where the River Test runs right through the garden. So we've got Beer Mill, and that's a garden that actually has some damp herbaceous borders, which are phenomenal. Then we've got gardens, again, through Stockbridge, where the test goes through, Stockbridge Village opens, and then just near Ramsey again. The river runs right the way through the middle, and uh, yeah, it gives it that quite dramatic feel. Um, we've got some gardens that specialise just in hostas. We've got a, a new garden opening this year, which has got a working water mill in, at Sherbourne St John, just north of Basingstoke. Quite a wildlife garden, so we're moving with the public mood. So the idea of a you know, beautifully manicured lawn has its place, for sure, but increasingly more and more now to do with people's awareness of challenges on biodiversity, we're welcoming gardens who embrace that. I was going to ask you, has there been a change in how people are viewing gardens as a result of becoming more aware, really, of what we need to do to help encourage more nature and wildlife into our gardens? It's been dramatic. You know, literally, in the last four or five years, there's been a real change. You know, people are beginning to really know and understand the threat to what's actually happening in terms of our biodiversity and wildlife issues in the UK. And so our visitors, more and more people, are asking, where's the wildlife area in your garden? And so many, many of our garden owners are now taking up big chunks of their garden from maybe traditional flower borders to something which is good for pollinators. So there's been a real change, actually, I've noticed in the last four or five years. That's good to hear. Mm. So where do you see the National Garden Scheme moving forward? When you've got 
three and a half thousand gardens as a, as a trustee, it's quite a lot to actually oversee. So I don't see us ever growing to 5,000 gardens or 6,000 gardens. We'd love to actually have garden owners who have never opened for us to come in. And, yeah, it's wonderful having the public visit your garden. So we'd love to get more people to come if we can. But I think the trend will probably be, as we've just been mentioning, more and more towards gardens which have a real focus on wildlife, biodiversity, sustainability. So all of those things where people showing how they can helping look after the climate better than we've been doing. And also, we've been approached by two more village groups that we're very supportive of opening. So more group visits and more gardens of a more of a wild nature is probably where I'll see the scheme going. More mm. villages and community gardens. Yes, we are very heavily supportive of anything to do with community gardening. How exciting. Mm. Well, I'm looking forward to viewing some gardens this year, Mark. Good. Thank you so much for telling us more My about pleasure. the scheme. How can people find out more about the National Garden Scheme? The main thing would be to go onto the website, ngs.org.uk. It's so easy to use. If you're not um, tech savvy, then uh, definitely go use the booklet. It should be available everywhere. Really lovely to meet Mark. Hopefully we'll catch up with Mark again later on in the year to hear about some summer gardens we can go and view. Sounds great. Steve, when I walked up here to meet you, you yes. were busy preparing your big tubs. The barrels for the parsnips, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Project Carrot and Project Parsnip is on its way. Yeah, well, the short carrots went in last week. Parsnips, I'm a bit late, but they're going in today. So hopefully they'll germinate fairly quickly. And then long carrots next week. Now, you grow these in tubs, not in the ground. Correct. And this is a project you started last year. Well, I've been growing carrots the way I do for some years now, but parsnips and the long carrots I started last year. So that was Project 22, long carrots and parsnips, and it went really well. Blow my own trumpet, it went really well. <laughs> I was chuffed a bit. So hoping to expand on that this year, or are you just, well, just the same, repeat? Exactly the same. So yeah, exactly the same compost, same mix of fertilizers, same boxes. And it's interesting because you grow them in barrels of sand. That's right. But create a growing hole with compost. Yeah, that's right. So use normal builder sand. And then I take a bit of two inch pipe, core out a hole from the sand, and then backfill that with a fine compost mixed with some fertilizers, which the carrots and parsnips like. And then sow, sow three seeds per hole, and then thin out to one plant per hole. And you cover the carrots, don't you? Do you cover I both? No, I don't cover the parsnips, actually. Parsnips don't really get bothered by anything. Where the carrots, carrot fly, I found over the years to my cost, you can grow them 10 feet up in the air if you want. The carrot fly will still get to them unless you cover them with EnviroMesh. You know, there's no way around it. From the day they're sown, they're covered. And so what else have you got going on down here at the allotment? Onions, I've grown, grown on the sets in the modules. They went in on Saturday. Shallots have gone in. That's all I've got planted so far. Dahlias are coming on nicely in the greenhouse and I've ordered some new ones as well. The shoots of the gladioli are starting to come through in the bed over there. Sweet peas, I thought I'd got away with the mice. I went to check them and the mice have got in and decimated a whole tray of sweet peas. <laughs> they've just raised them literally oh. to the ground. They've not even taken the seeds up, they've just nibbled they're like tree felled all the sweet peas so a whole tray luckily I, I did four trays so i've still got three trays left i'm not going to bin the other tray because there's still a tiny shoot obviously when you pinch out the sweet peas they come again so i'm hoping they'll come again but we'll see well actually yeah that's sort of like a successional sowing really yeah. isn't it <laughs> unintentional <laughs> Un unintentional sowing. by by the grace of the mice <laughs> exactly and i've um, been potting on the tomatoes all the tomatoes are out of the cells and into three inch pots 
and the sweet peas I talked about already are now outside hardening off but I think you know more tender plants is probably still a bit cold at night you know on a day like this definitely get them out of the greenhouse doing the okie sort of in out in out the greenhouse and it's a pain but it does harden them off and they just give them a bit of shelter in the night time we've not over frost yet not by a long chalk so um, hardening off is really important and it does take time but well worth it that's what I'm doing at the moment. Are you? Don't forget to put them back in the greenhouse oh. in the evening. I mean, now that now the evenings are lighter, it's just lovely, yeah. absolutely lovely. But just don't let that fool you to forgetting to put the yeah, plants exactly. back in exactly. or under cover or wherever you've got them. But there are lots of, of seeds to sow now. Exactly. Did you find anything unusual at the seed swap to try this year, Steve? You know me, Claire. I, I'm a creature of habit. Harriet actually picked out some unusual looking sunflowers that she'd like to grow and, and I picked up some thyme seeds actually but everything else got it from my suppliers that I use year on year. Everything's grown in blocks, nothing's mixed, it's just the way I do it. He's looking a bit uncomfortable talking about this, squirming slightly in his seat. <laughs> so what about yourself? Did you pick up anything? I did, yeah. I picked up some more flowers for the cut garden I'm going to try this year. Yep. Inspired really by Helia Bowling, who we featured in last month's Growing Together, who is a cut flower garden expert. Yeah, yeah. Does she grow them in blocks? Oh, I'll have to check. I know she grows them in, in her raised beds. Yeah, okay. I don't know about whether she grows them in blocks. In blocks of varieties and colour. I'll ask her yeah. when I next see her. We'll get confirmation on that. That's what all the cool kids I'm do. I'm not sure I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> and found an amazing heritage cucumber. Oh, you told packet. me about this. Go on. They are round yellow cucumber balls that have a great flavour, possibly better than the traditional cucumber we know. Oh, are you a sucker for a good packet? Yeah, well, it looks beautiful <laughs> and unusual. You know, I like to grow things that you can't buy in the supermarkets or at the veg store. I grow things at home that you can't get a lot of, like bolotti beans. Yes, bolotti yeah, beans. no, you said about lotti beans before. Mm. And I think you're right, you're absolutely right. So much is readily available, but you know, there is a shortage and you can see it on the shelves in the supermarkets, can't you? So you don't even need a garden or an allotment. You just need a, a little bit of space outside. And I, I write about it all the time in the paper. You just need a container with some compost and you can grow your own salad stuff. But why grow an iceberg lettuce? There's thousands of varieties of lettuce. Just go and pick something unusual. Come along to a seed swap. There was tons of lettuce and rockets and different beets and stuff like that that you could you could have picked. Well, talking of salads and trying unusual things this year, I spoke to Joe Dunbar, who is a Hampshire-based medicinal herbalist who has an incredible knowledge of herbs and plants that are good for us. And this time of year with nettles coming up and Possibly if you have ground elder in your garden, which I have loads of, and it drives me insane every year. She has the most amazing suggestions for how you can utilize these plants coming up now, this time of year. I'll be interested to hear what she has to say about ground elder, because didn't years ago at Pippa Greenwood on Gardener's Question Time, somebody phoned in and asked how to get rid of ground elder. And she said, move house. Oh, <laughs> well, you don't have to be that extreme. Here's Joe. Joe Dunbar is a member of the National Institute of Medical Herbalists and founder of Herbal Apothecary Botanica Medica, based in Hampshire. And I'm with Joe now in her Hampshire-based apothecary. Hi, Joe. You are a medical herbalist. Mm -hmm. Can you explain what exactly that is, please? Well, I've had a long training, so it was at least four years of training, and I did beyond that 
where we're trained to recognise disease and we're trying to treat disease from the, the cause, the underlying cause. So we understand pathology and then we use our knowledge of the underlying pathology and the physiology of the body to try and understand why someone is not well. And then we combine that with our knowledge of the plants and their constituents. So these are their, their sort of biochemicals. How those, those constituents will affect the physiology of the body to restore them back to balance and to health. I hope that makes sense. It does. It's fascinating. So where did your love of herbs and and using the plants for medicinal purposes come from? A long time ago. I mean, I I, I think I was born to be a herbalist and I was lucky to to discover that early. But I was only a teenager and um, I had to do a school project and I did it on herbs, really. And then I was just obsessed. I was brought up in South Africa and the idea of being a herbalist was a medieval concept you know there was no option of that at all and I certainly didn't ever think that I would come to England or be able to study a course and then a postgraduate course in England that was just impossible but it's interesting how life offers you these amazing opportunities and so opportunities came I took them and and then it was only when I was in third year when I passed third year that it occurred to me, I think I sat down very hard and I thought, oh, I think I'm going to become a medical herbalist, you know. That was in 1999 when I qualified and that's all I've done ever since. I love being a herbalist. And we're sat in your rather amazing apothecary here and I I love it in here. It's full of interesting looking jars full of interesting looking liquid <laughs> yes. and it's got an incredible smell as well yeah so how many different tinctures do you have here approximately do you probably think? about 200 and i think gosh about at least 30 percent of them are probably what people would call weeds i like to stick as much as i can to the english herbs but i i really like to grow my own herbs and harvest my own herbs because there may come a day when we can't get those. It's happened before. My my old teacher, my herbal teacher, she grew up during the war and she said that her father was a chemist and the only one who survived, you know, in practice during the war. And that was because he knew, she called it, he knew the plants of the ditches. And she said, don't think it could, it won't happen again. And I really took that to heart. It could happen again. You know, so um, I like to use local plants as much as I can. And also, you know, I know where they come from. So they're stronger, then their medicine is stronger. So I like to use those. And you have uh, a little garden out here as well mm-hmm. that you're growing some herbs and yeah. plants in. We had a little look before we came in because this time of year, it's spring, things are growing again. So the plants are just starting to pop up. Are there any herbs, weeds, plants, really, that you could recommend that people can start looking out for now? So, yes, let's talk about nettle, because nettles are coming up. Did you know you can make friends with a nettle? Look, I'm watching you hold that nettle leaf. Yes, I know. (laughs) And not wincing. No, no, look at this. I I can just drift it over my lips, and it doesn't sting. When you make friends with a nettle, <laughs> you've got to tell it how beautiful it is because nobody ever tells a nettle how beautiful it is. So you've got to admire it. So nettles are amazing. 
They're absolutely bursting with medical properties. Let's talk about weeds because people will find these easily and um, I like people to fall in love with plants so if I can help people fall in love with their weeds I'll feel really happy. So first of all let's talk about the herb, the green stuff that comes up. This is packed with iron and silica. The iron and the silica will promote hair growth if you drink nettle tea or rinse your hair in nettle tea, the silica gives the hair strength. It strengthens the structure of the hair and the iron promotes the hair growth. So nettles are great for promoting hair growth. It's also a very good natural detox as well. Excellent. And it's a natural antihistaminic. And in fact, I'm going to go out this afternoon and collect some nettles and I'm going to make nettle scones with parmesan cheese. And I think they're going to be delicious. And they might be very nice combined with wild garlic butter. Yes, because of course the wild garlic's coming up as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And all these plants are very cleansing. You know, after the winter, we probably haven't eaten as well as we might. And our bodies are longing for the chloroform in the leaves, for the detoxing, for the vitamins and minerals that are coming up from the earth. Our bodies need that, you know, to revitalise. Well, two weeds, I suppose, that I have a lot in my garden mm. are ground elder yep. and dandelions. Yes, yes, yes. So ground elder were brought in as a pot herb, actually, by the Romans. And have you ever tried to eat them? No, I always try and get rid of it. Oh, yeah. Um, because it is everywhere in it's my garden. It's everywhere. Yes, well, you need to eat them. Okay. <laughs> That's one, one other way to get rid of them. <laughs> it is a way. I have heard of someone who got rid of them by eating them. But they taste like, when they're young and fresh, they've got a sort of lemony spinach taste. So they would be really nice in salads. And dandelion leaves? The French like it in salads, yes. And they think it's absolutely wonderful. There's an interesting thing that um, it was discovered recently that the dandelion leaf helps to detox the spike protein from the coronavirus. So that could be quite helpful in people who are suffering from um, long COVID to drink dandelion leaf tea. And then the root, we use that particularly to cleanse the liver. It seems a lot of the herbs you can steep in water and drink as tea. Is that sometimes the best way to have them? Well, as a professional, I would use tincture or capsules, but I'm talking to you about home herbal medicine and you don't have the same facilities as me. So for your listeners, the, the tea is a very simple way and, and very effective way of using herbal medicine. Absolutely fascinating talking to you, Jo. You have a number of books out, but your recent book is called Secrets from a Herbalist's Garden, which I am really enjoying. It's a magical year of plant remedies. So it takes you through the year. And particularly, obviously, the focus at the moment is on spring. To revitalize us and, and meet the summer with vigor. Jo, thank you very much for inviting me to your apothecary and to have a little walk around your garden. Maybe we can have a chat with you later on in the year to see what else is out there. Absolutely, I'd love that. Claire. Thanks so much, Joe. And again, hopefully we'll catch up with you later in the year. Really interested in eating ground alder because it is a pain. It really is. I have so much of it. Really? I haven't tried it yet. I'm a little bit unsure. Get eating. Yes. That's what I say. <laughs> so we spoke about it earlier, Steve, your special mix of herbs and spices. Herbs and spices, yeah. It's yeah. important, isn't it, to look after your soil and as you're about to put plants into soil this time of year yep. to increase its nutrients if you can. Yeah. I mean, I've been mulching. I've had manure on my veg plots. Yes. 
throughout the winter. The worms do their thing. Well, that's, that's what I do here. At the end of the growing season, I cover the plot. And then when we get the manure in, I uncover, put the manure down, spread it out and recover and just let the worms do their thing. And then before I plant the bed, rotivate it up and plant away. Do you add anything to the soil now? I think the chicken manure pellets are really handy because I will quite often put a scattering of chicken manure pellets in a run before I do the planting and just dig it in and as soon as it gets wet they dissolve and just gives that extra boost of nutrients but depending what I'm planting I sort of alter the nutrients that I've put into the soil. You want to know what I've put in my carrot mix, I don't do. you? <laughs> <laughs> so you start off with a fine compost, it's got to be a really fine compost, a modular seed compost is really good but any bits in it bigger than sort of five mil the carrot hits it it'll split and obviously the way I grow carrots for the show bench and for the table but for the show bench predominantly you need to have a fine compost and added to that I add calcified seaweed responsibly sourced calcified seaweed let me add I add superphosphate and I add sulfate of potash that's quite a combination yeah so for every I'll give you the actual recipe I think for every 28 litres of compost I use 100 grams of calcified seaweed 40 grams of the other two so there you go do you have scales here in your shed yes do you? <laughs> <laughs> I've got a, a big plastic tub in the undercover bit there so they get measured out carefully and the same with the potatoes i use a, a different mix for the potatoes and a slightly different mix for the parsnips as well and it's all weighed out mixed up and what i use is a you know the, the cubic meter bags oh yes yeah so i put maybe 50 liters of compost and then adjust the weights for that and i shake it up you just use it like a concrete mixer the big growers actually use concrete mixers they put their compost in the mixer put it in and just mix it up and then rebag it and it's all ready for use i can only dream of days when i've got my own concrete mixer to mix my composts <laughs> brilliant that's something i'd like to see yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well you mentioned potatoes and i know you have a particular date that every year you plant your potatoes on and that's coming up yeah well it's, it's, it's not a particular date because the date moves oh yes sorry it's, particular time it, it's easter yes. it's easter weekend yeah every easter weekend I get the kids down here, we'll have a barbecue and I'll plant up the potatoes. Yeah, it's good fun. You just hope for nice weather like today. Nice. Yes. Lovely Easter weekend coming up soon. Yeah, not, not far, far not far away, are yeah. we? Well, Steve, it's been lovely to talk to you down here once again at the allotment. Yeah, you too. We'll be back again in a couple of weeks' time. Thanks so much for joining us and also to Mark Porter and Joe Dunbar. We'd love to hear from you. So if you have a question or you'd like to just say hi, you can contact us on team at shineradio.uk or you can call or WhatsApp us on 01730 We'll be back in mid-April. Happy gardening. Growing together. New every month and always online at shineradio.uk. If you're a keen gardener, then Shine Radio is giving you the chance to win tickets to the BBC Gardener's World Spring Fair in Bewley. The event brings together sensational displays, famous experts and hands-on workshops. And you could win two free tickets to go along on Sunday the 30th of April. All you have to do is correctly name the two presenters of Shine Radio's gardening show, Growing Together. You can enter the competition at shineradio.uk at any time before midnight on Friday the 14th of April. We'll put all the correct entries into a flower pot and draw one lucky winner. Conditions apply, so check rules at shineradio.uk 
And don't forget to enter before midnight on Friday the 14th of April.